On this episode of Architect, we talk with a tech manager and architect about the process from conception to sign-off, bringing in different teaching styles and how to get the right stakeholders to the table. All that and more, next on Architect. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is Architect, Episode 7, recorded Thursday, October 3rd, 2019, Teaching the Future. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by Atlas IED, innovative audio solutions for every business environment. This is Architect, the look at the architecture space and how it intersects with technology and audiovisual. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. This month, we're going to take a look at education and taking it from conception all the way through handing over the keys to classrooms and lecture halls. With me to discuss, first and foremost, an old buddy of mine uh, and a fabulous author, uh, Dr. Josiah Way, who is now at USC. Welcome, sir. Hey, thank you, Tim. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be here. Uh, and a, uh, uh, a woman I met uh, actually uh, through a mutual friend. Uh, she is from WRA Architects, Mary O'Brien. Welcome, ma'am. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. So, for if you've if you've ever heard me, at least in the last ten years of doing this, I am a former technology manager. Uh, I used to do what Joe does now, not to the level, nor did I have a doctorate, uh, but I, I was a tech manager, right? And and there was a number of projects. Where we took from conception all the way through uh, to completion, and so that's kind of why I, I wanted to go with this. Mary, in uh, her architecture firm, focuses on 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 education. Joe yeah. obviously writes about it and talks about it and has a podcast about it. Um, so I wanted to get you guys together and kind of walk us through, you know, the the, the different steps. Mary, from you and, and from your standpoint, um, what is the preferred process? in getting a new teaching facility built? Well, the process really starts early on with a conversation between us and the client and just really hearing exactly what their needs and wants are. Um, We go through a lot of collaboration and um, just trying to get an idea of where their dreams and their hopes and goals are for the future. So a lot of the schools that we encounter are pretty old, outdated facilities that aren't using the latest technology. And they're seeing these upgrades that are happening all around them and want to give that same experience to their students so that they're brought up in a current digital age. Um, So we really try to facilitate as many opinions as possible, whether that's through the administration who we're working with, um, primarily working in K through 12 education, as well as some higher ed. Um, We're talking with the superintendents of the district, uh, the administrators, but we also like to get opinions from the staff, the teachers, as well as the students. And honestly, a lot of times the students have really great input because Sometimes they're more up-to-date on the technology than the administration staff is. So it's hearing everybody's opinions and having them have conversations with each other. And um, just that's a great starting place um, to talk about a future facility. Um, 
Yeah, so as the architect, we're basically serving as that facilitator and trying to get those conversations going and and also just showing other options of what's out there because a lot of times they may not even have the knowledge or resources to know exactly what they need. Yeah. Joe, uh, same kind of question here, but but also while you're an- while you're answering, you know what your what your preferred area is. How do you get some of those those stakeholders in early? You know, get get feedback from students as well as faculty. Yeah, yeah. You know, Mary just totally nailed it with getting uh, getting the that collaboration together. I always say it when I get that first uh, email or that invite where it says, "Hey, you know, we've got a building planning meeting." That'll tell me a lot, that very first one, of how this whole project will go. Because if I show up and the architect shows up and they lay out all the drawings, they fire up Revit and throw it up on the screen, we've already lost. Because it's Mm -hmm. too far down the road to where now we're going to be trying to force technology to work in the space, right? But if that first meeting is maybe the dean, a couple of the stakeholders, you know, the finance people, the architect, who's there to start just writing down ideas, maybe has a general sketch of what the building will look like and the floors. That's a winning combination because then at that meeting, you can also say, these are the other people we need. What disciplines are going to be taught in there? Can we get them at the next meeting? I can start to lay out some of the infrastructure stuff that we're going to need. I can say the, the magic words, data and power. I need data and power, right? How many times I need to say that at those initial meetings so that that's what starts to get in, into the architect's head and thinks, okay, anytime there's going to be something there, let's think about getting those because that's the hardest thing to come back later and it ends up costing a lot more money once you have to start saying down the road, all right, how are we going to get a pathway there? I mean, it's a losing situation. So right at the beginning, that first scope meeting says everything about the project. We'll mm-hmm. talk about that for a second. Well, and it's great on the architecture side because we want to hear all of those comments and all of that feedback and just get as many, um, as much information as possible so that we can take all of that, digest it, and then go to the drawing board. So exactly like you're saying, we're not having to redraw something we've already drawn, and then it's moving in the right direction from the get-go. And of course, it's always a process. There's always a design process and then um, a back and forth that we want to have with the client and want to have that ongoing communication to make sure everything is, we are hitting those correct milestones and, and producing the result that you're expecting as well. Um, but it's, yeah, exactly. Having those conversations with the experts and, and getting everybody in the room is really crucial. Yeah, and so that really becomes a, you know a winning combination when we have uh, that early type of collaboration together, right? Because now when the wheels are turning and my ideas are out there, and I'm hearing, you know, this is how many speakers I need. These are where the visuals need to be. This is where um, we need to be able to have students collaborate, and you know, where what type of setups we can do. That's when the architects can really use their abilities the best, right? Because now we're accomplishing all goals together and not trying to decide these are where this is where the space is going to be now try to make it work right and that 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 becomes the winning combination automatically if you are you you and joe 
probably should work together at some point because you guys are, are so well aligned. What advice yeah. would, you, would you give? I would love that. That would be great. Um, what advice would you give to so folks like Joe, though, if they run into a situation where the architect isn't on the same page, right? If So if they walk in, Joe walks in, and, and they already have drawings, like he says, right? How would you how would you get them around? How would you get the architect around to, to Joe's point of view? Um, I would probably hear what the architect's vision may be just to see where their, where their thought process is even going. And then if it's not aligning with yours, I always think, I mean, the better honest you can be and just from the beginning, um, the easier it's going to be to transition into the design that the school is wanting because a lot of times the technology can also influence what type of teaching styles are happening within the classroom. And there's, as we all know, based on lots of research, kids have completely different learning styles. One kid may learn in a very collaborative environment and the other may want to sit in a quiet, um, typical classroom setting of what we think our parents went to, or even we went to growing up. But the, that's not really the way schools are currently being designed. And if we can hear what the client is saying from the beginning and, and look at trying to facilitate those um, type of environments that really appeal to not just one type of learner, but all of the different types of learners and teaching styles as well, um, that can just make a better project. And it also, and technology is truly at the heart of that. And it's using every inch of the building, not just one teaching wall to, to have a lecture. I mean, you may be able to go into a corridor and with a small group and break out and completely figure out what your project's going to be and have a breakthrough idea. It, it's not always just this lecture um, standpoint where the kids are sitting there for eight hours a day and trying to be still and take it all in because that's just really hard um, as a child yeah, to what, learn. Yeah, because see, you, again, you nail something exactly right because what is happening is that the faculty that are now coming out of grad school who have their masters, we now have the first generation of teachers who were not taught a traditional way, right? They're the YouTubers. They know how to go get content themselves. They know how to um, build their own learning style, right? They don't, they, they don't need a talking head at the beginning of a, at the head of a room. So what happens now is the teachers start to change and the way that teachers change um, needs to impact our space design as well, right? Because, you know, that, that, and that's again, right back to why you, we need to get people in early and we need to have conversations with the architects. You know, you asked him, well, what happens if they come and everything's already laid out? Well, you have to basically explain that, you know, just because it's written, hey, we need 12 classrooms on this floor, you know, if you've got 12 rooms all with one standard front, again, we've already lost because we know that the, the teacher of the future is actually going to be different. And the way that they teach is going to be 
similar to the way they have learned. And that means group group work. That means uh, content has already been delivered and it's application of it. So these spaces have to be able to uh, speak to that. And, and so having the plans early can really impede that because it's already been made up of how the space is going to be used. And, and we know even just especially in higher ed, I mean, I'm one email away from getting, oh, by the way, this office is going to be turned into a conference room. And now this, you know, these three spaces, we're going to blow out the walls because we need an extra classroom. I mean, we know that we have to be fast, fluid and flexible all the time. Mm -hmm. Well, in the classrooms themselves, having the teachers take less ownership of the classroom just also gives you more flexibility to always have that room occupied. So it's never just sitting empty for an hour out of the day. Um, in K through 12, we're actually looking towards higher education as a really good model for that because you have to schedule that lecture hall or that lab space or classroom to, you know, for your, for your class that you're trying to teach. And similarly in say a high school setting, um, all the students, or I'm sorry, all the teachers may have their offices separate in in a different area of the school where they can collaborate and um, hear what, what are you teaching? Oh, you're, you're learning about biology. Well, I'm a culinary teacher and I have a chicken that can, I can show you and you can take that into your class and you can show how the ligaments come together. And then when you're done, we'll just cook it up and, <laughs> and serve it. You know, there's all sorts of, that's just an example, but that's, there's all sorts of ways of using collaboration um, amongst the teachers, not just the students as well. And, and helping develop those teaching styles. And if a teacher is just sitting in their classroom and not venturing out and traveling all around the campus, they may be missing an opportunity to just use the resources that are, that are their colleagues sitting right next to them. And so being able to be more mobile um, and you know, just bring their laptop in and quickly plug in and it's easy to, you know, get on the internet or pull any resources you need um, is always important from any point in the campus. So how do you then, so here, here's, this is because we challenge this all the time. This is a challenge for higher ed, like tech managers is you want to get everybody in the room early, right? We know we have to, but now you're also dealing with their personal bias. So, cause you know, when you're, say you're, you've got a new building, it's an engineering building and you're going to bring in the chemical engineer and the whatever engineer and all this and the, whoever's going to teach it. And they're saying they're going to give us based on their teaching style. So there's also that fine line between, okay, what do they really need and how much is just personal preference? You know, so how do you go about, you know, uh, balancing that and balancing the multiple differences, right? Because you could have one room, set one way the next door to it is a slightly different discipline and if you're taking that faculty member's input you could have two completely different designs now you're stuck right now you're stuck with that being the teaching style and what happens when that faculty member gets a better off from another institution they're gone the next summer now you've just designed an entire space based on somebody else's input 
Right. Say that again, John, um, really quickly, because I, I think that's an important point. Yes, you're going to have, let's call them the favorite faculty member, right? Or you're going to have a, a faculty member that holds a lot of weight. You have to, you still have to balance that with the good of the school plus the half-life of what you expect that room to serve you guys. Exactly. Exactly. And keeping everything flexible, uh, we're, we're hearing that more and more. It's just flexibility. And so we're trying to make as a lab space, as an example, as flexible as possible. Because one semester, it may be one type of curriculum. And then that, that particular program may have not took off or has been as popular as they thought it was going to be. So the next semester, it changes to something completely different. And if we make it as flexible as possible with different um, power outlets in the room with different voltages that they may need and data everywhere and Wi-Fi and um, where they can just bring in whatever equipment that fits those needs, then it's not as dramatic as a change um, as if it were catered to one particular teacher. Um, yep. And, and I think a yeah. lot of it too is even getting outside input, right? Yeah. You want to trust the, the faculty members who you've got on staff because you know, they're the ones, they're the experts, they do know what they need, but there is something to be said about, you know, what is the guy next to us doing? What are the, those, those departments that we want to strive for? How we want to grow this? You know, especially when there's a new construction, it usually means because there's also, it's a young department. It's, you, it's hard to project what that's going to be and look like three years from now. So we have to take into account those other things and maybe, you know, tell someone you can't quite have what you want completely. Uh, so that we can account for growth, flexibility, uh, moving. I mean, ideally, uh, one thing that we did when someone was trying to give us a little too much about how they wanted their space and they had one little corner wing, we said, well, you know, we really can't do this. Um, one, it's a financial impact, but also um, because we're expecting your department to grow. And as you grow, we're going to probably move you to another wing. So we need to have this a certain level of standardization across here. Still some individualism so you can get done what you want, but you almost have to talk them out of it with and, and letting them know that, hey, for this greater good, we're, we can create a situation where uh, everybody benefits. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, and I think that that's important. Um, but gosh, it, it is. It's really, really tough line to draw because you we don't know right this isn't our expertise it's the you know you got to trust the people's discipline that they know their discipline and those and the pedagogy they understand you know how to do that and probably a little bit more you know to say one advantage that k through 12 has over higher ed is that k through 12 typically you have to be you know you have to go and get your master's in education you get a you know a specialty in a subject you know you're taught how to teach well, in higher ed, you just have to be an expert in your field. You could be a mm -hmm. horrific teacher and just be an expert in your field. Um, so there's a big difference there. So a lot of the wants and needs, I would think, are very different, right? Because they don't actually know where those who are trained to teach can understand their tools probably a little bit better. 
Let, let me ask a question and bring something around that you said, just said there, Joe, about getting outside information and outside perspective. Mary, we'll start with, start with you, and, and Joe, have you, have you chime in on this. Um, how do you get, Mary, your clients to either take a field trip or bring somebody else in that let's say that they just went through this process or they've already you know gone through it or they have the latest greatest technology or is it something where they go to conferences themselves and they're talking with fellow teaching colleagues and they're like well we have this and we have that i'll reference you know 15 years ago when the the smart board uh system kind of the interactive board started coming out and it was at the time again i was a tech manager it was our our instructors going to conferences and coming back and going, I just heard about this latest, greatest thing, and I think it's fantastic, and we want one now. Mm -hmm. And then they put them in every classroom, and now they're moving away from it. (laughs) (laughs) This is the life of technology, right? It's forever changing. Um, Well, that's a great question. So when we're looking to design a brand-new facility for for a district that may, this is, something new. And we actually just went through this process um, for one of our clients. And during the design phase, we actually took trips with our clients to schools all around the country, including California and Seattle, um, as as well as a lot of local examples here in Texas, to see what other districts are doing and hearing their, what they would do over again, and certain things that they would change. And just hearing the educators talk to each other and even how they're implementing the curriculum is, is just worth its weight in gold. Because once they can start having those conversations and just understand exactly the process that, was, that they went through. And, and again, we're just trying to facilitate that and we're learning as well. It helps us to see other examples and how we can start to apply those things that were done well into our own work, um, it's just going to lift everybody up as well. Um, Joe, same, same yeah. question is how, yeah, do you, abso- how do you bring... Absolutely. So, okay, the worst phrase you can ever hear as a higher ed tech manager is, so I just got back from this conference. Amen, brother. Like, you, <laughs> all right, you already know that this, this conversation's going south really quick. Um, <laughs> because, again, what they're seeing is they're seeing the end result, right? Yeah. And at these conferences, you get great sessions about, you know, solutions people have come up with. It, pause for one but second. They don't I, re- I'm, I'm going to pause you one second because not only it's, it's, sometimes it's not even that. Sometimes it's I heard it from a friend who heard it from a friend who heard it from, <laughs> you know, that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and this, the thing is, is and maybe they, this, they did have it, but they don't recognize the years uh, that went into that, the years to polish it, the years to find out what worked for them and their situation. And what's so funny is that same colleague who was saying it is going back to their institution and they're telling their people about what you do and saying, oh, we have to go do this. Right. Everyone want, thinks, you know, the grass is always greener Absolutely. and that what yeah. they do instead of just trusting their own tools and trusting that, you know, as institutions, and especially as a tech manager, my job is to create a space for you to be successful. I do it through technology. Facilities does it through lighting and AC and those things. You know, teaching and learning center does it through 
you know, being able to get the right trainings and get, you know, admissions does it through getting the right students in the, in the seats. And as architects, you're doing it to create the right space. So we're all doing it. And a lot of times the faculty have to step back and realize you have a team of people behind you who are here to set you up for success. You know, yes, we want to hear your input. We 100% we want your input. But there's also there's also another side that, you know, we, we are here to do the best for you. And our expertise is to do that. You tell us what you want to achieve. And we'll figure out how to do it and help be flexible with us. Mm -hmm. That's not to say there may be that new groundbreaking piece of technology out there that really does solve the world's yeah. problems, right? Yeah, and, absolutely. And there's always that beauty of finding it and, and getting excited about it and saying, yeah, this is something that we can apply and work. But, but it is it, it is a very long process, especially in an institution, to get it implemented. It's, it's different than just taking a credit card down to your local box store and buying it. Like, it's, it's a very big process, and there's a lot of infrastructure that has to take place to make those big changes happen. Yep, yep. And the thing is, what's so interesting is, you know, those of us who are tech managers, we're listening to, you know, all the AV Nation podcasts every week, right? We're staying abreast of our, um, all, all of our skills, right? We're staying abreast of all the new technologies coming out. We're going to the tech conferences and have all this. So the odds of, you know, a faculty member coming back from somewhere and telling us something that we didn't know was out there is probably very rare to happen. Now, it might be the implementation that they were impressed with, you know, but we've already been, you know, abreast of these things to where we can now also have those conversations. This circles right back around to that very first question of not just getting everyone to move early, but building those relationships from day one, even before we're talking about planning the building, right? So that we already know the types of things they want to achieve. So now when they do go see it elsewhere, or we can have them go and look at other locations and we're pulling them in their colleagues from other places, we can show them their possibilities. And that's really where we can use our technical knowledge. And I'm sure this exact same thing on the architect side, right? To be able to show them possibilities of how they can use their spaces and design their spaces. And, and that becomes us as being the, the givers of the information as opposed to you know, being blindsided by them. Yeah. As we wrap up, I want to get your, your two cents and, and, and fittingly enough, our last question is about the, the end of a project. Mary, from your, your perspective, what, how, how would you design the perfect end to a project? Well, the perfect end to a project is honestly, once the building has opened and coming back, whether it's six months later or a year later and seeing how is it really being used? Because we all have a vision on opening day and all the kids come flooding in with smiles on their faces. But once everyone kind of settles in after the ribbon cutting and start really, you know, getting their feet wet in the space, it can take on a whole other evolution. And so coming back into that space and doing um, a round of observation can be completely beneficial to everybody. And hopefully if you have an additional project with that client later on, you can take what you've learned and say, well, I observed 
you you were using this space exactly how we planned and hoped it would be, but I noticed you were using this other space a little bit different. So let's make those changes so it's working better for you. Um, so just just seeing how it goes and seeing how the evolution and, and coming back to your project um, is really the perfect ending. So really, and hoping there isn't just an ending and knowing the building will always keep changing and hoping what we've implemented so far can facilitate those changes as the client needs them. All right, and Justin, yep. question. And Mary, we definitely need to do a project together because that was exa exactly it. Because I'll come out there. <laughs> <laughs> because that's exactly it, right? I mean, I have a very, kind of a unique way that I do like a sign-off. So after an integration has been done, I'm not the one who goes in and tests it. I have the faculty members go in there and test it. Any users go in there and test it. Does this make sense? Is this what you asked for? And this is at the phases we're doing punch listing because that's one of the most important phases of an entire project, making sure that when they get in there day one to teach, there's no surprises, to make sure that we've delivered on what they've asked for. Now, at that stage, there's not you can't go add new technology. You can't add things or whatever, but is the usability there and how you thought? Being able to walk them through the options, because again, a lot of times people use new spaces to, uh, to try to do things that they'd thought about before. But they now, this is their first opportunity to test that. They haven't taught that way before quite often, especially when you're creating flexible spaces, when they came from a traditional lecture space. So in a lot of times in the faculty member's mind, it's what they want to do, but they actually don't have any practical experience with it. So it's about getting them at that punch list phase to say, here, let's test it. What are the changes we can make? Are they simple programming and touch panel things? Are they set, set up in the room? What are these things that you want to do? Because there are some things that we can do at that stage. And then once the classes start, what I do is I come back after the end of the first semester and I send them a little survey and say, one, did it go as you thought it would when we first had the conversation two years ago of what this is going to be? And if it did, uh, great. And now what would you make different? Because your changing has now your, your teaching has now changed based on the space you're in. So are there little things that we can do? Are things we have to plan? I think it's very good, too, to realize and use language of this is phase one when you get in there of your the way you're going to teach in this space. Let's revisit it in six months or at the end of the semester. Let's see how it's changed. Let's make plans so that the next summer we can adopt anything. I think every project, especially an AV project, needs a little extra contingency that's actually tossed in for a phase two, where those become things that might have been cut early, like lecture capture or other little technologies that you want to save, because you need to save. We know that you know capital construction costs can run up a lot, and you can get over budget, but you can't forget about those because they asked for them for a reason early. So maybe we could revisit that. Would it help you? Would it not? And then I think that communication after is huge. And not just in, you know, making sure the technology worked and we walked away and we got to say, yay, project closed. But are you being effective as a teacher in that space? Mm -hmm. yeah. And have we delivered that? Absolutely. That's it. That'll be a good place to stop it. Thank you both so much. Mary O'Brien from WRA Architects. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you.
And how do people get a hold of you or WRA if they are so inclined? Um, you can reach us on our website. It's wraarchitects.com. And if you want to get a hold of me, my contact info is on our website. Um, that would probably be the best way. All right, very good. And Mr. Joe Way, thank you, sir. Hey, thank you very much, Tim. And uh, you can find me on all social media at Josiah Way. And, uh, of course, you can find USC at USC.edu. And your podcast, sir, or your book? Hey, um, oh, is that to be an either or? My podcast is you, you, Higher Ed AV Podcast. And of course, my book both. is Producing Worship, and you can find that on Amazon. All right. Thank you, Mr. Way. Uh, also for us, for Aviation, go by the website, aviation.tv. That's aviation.tv. You'll find this program and a host of others while you're there. Please check out our supporter section. These are the folks who help us financially, help us bring you Architect, AV Week, Resi Week, and so much more. All that and more at avnation.tv. That's avnation.tv.